Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, Pastor Jeff has been in a series called Enough, and he's been talking about how Jesus is enough. And listen, I don't want to break that series. We're going to continue on with that. So if you're taking notes this morning, we're going to call this one Enough, week four, but the subtitle would be the kingdom, right? We're going to talk about kingdom this morning. And I want to start out just by asking you a very simple question, all right? Now, I want to think, I want you to think back to when you were a kid, maybe 9, 10, 11 years old, right? There's this one question that we always ask kids, right? What is it? Anybody? That's it. What do you want to be when you grow up? All right, now, think back to when you were 10, Did you know, raise your hand if you knew kind of what you wanted to be when you grew up. Is there anybody? Okay, a couple of people are raising their hands. All right. Now, raise your hand if you had no clue what you wanted to be when you grew up, like you were in a corner sniffing Sharpies somewhere. (laughs) All right, so that was me, right? I had zero clue of what I wanted to do. All right, raise your hand if you still have no clue what you want to do when you get older. All right, listen, there's a passage of scripture, and we commonly refer to it today as the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read just a little bit of it here here in a moment. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6. And in this, Jesus is talking about some of the deepest questions in life. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Right? How am I supposed to feel about the things that are going on in in the world? How am I supposed to live? And listen, I'm going to encourage you, when you have a moment, try to do it today if you can. Just read this whole, it's just three chapters, it's chapter 5 through 7. Read this, this whole section of Scripture because he addresses a lot of different things here. Right? But we're just going to read one tiny part here where he goes in and he's talking about people who worry, all right? So how many of you have that person in your family who's like the chronic worrier, okay? I do, all right? So I'm gonna tell you, I've got, so I have an aunt who passed away not long ago. She's gone on to be with Jesus. Um, but this aunt, when, she, when things would get real bad and like real stressful, like you knew you were in a bad situation when she would start laughing, right? She would get this nervous laugh when like everything's in chaos. She would start laughing. Are there any like nervous laughers out here? All right, listen, if you're a nervous laugher, do me a favor and please don't ever get around me in a stressful situation because I will murder you. Like (laughs) that is the worst possible thing. She would start laughing. And listen, she was like this kind of like, like worry was her love language, right? Like she was always just figured out something to be worried about. And you couldn't just say like casual, flippant uh, comments, especially if it had to do anything with your health. Like like you you could just say something real uh, benign, like, uh, you know, I'm really thirsty right now. And she'd be like, well, it's, you're probably developing diabetes. (laughs) Like that's, that's a little bit of a stretch, right? But she would have all of these scenarios. It was like going to Google and like searching your, your symptoms, right? You never want to do that. And, past, and, and, and Matt, in Matthew chapter 6 here, Jesus is talking about people who worry, okay? And we're going to start reading in verse 25, and this is what he says. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
Now look, I'm gonna be honest. We could pause right here and we could just sit on this, right? I could plaster this on my bathroom mirror every morning. I just, I, I just need to hear this every single day. This is why I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. You know what? Not one of you chose to be on this earth, right? Somebody chose for you to be here. And that one who chose for you to be here has a plan for your life, and he knows the beginning from the end, right? He knows exactly what he wants to do with you. And so he says here, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. All right, so Pastor Jeff had some fish up here, right, last week, so I brought a bird today. No, I'm just kidding, I didn't, didn't bring a bird. All right, everybody got real nervous. Look, I have never seen this congregation as nervous as last week. When he put that little fish on the table, you could just feel it clench up in here. I've seen him do some stuff, but that was, that was getting there, right? He said, he said, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing. And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. He says it again. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And this is the kicker right here, verse 33. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and his righteousness, and he will give you everything you need. All right, look, let's just say that together. Say, seek the kingdom, and he will give you everything you need. All right, so seek the kingdom. Now, look, that sounds really good, but I want to, let's think about that for a second. What does that really, really mean, right? Seek the kingdom. So listen, when I first came to Christ, I'll never forget, there was this group of guys that was a little bit, that were a little bit older than me, and they had been saved for a little while, and I was, I would say a couple, one of them was kind of my mentors, and honestly, looking back, I, I don't even know why, because this guy honestly had some issues. Like, looking back, I see that now. He had this really short fuse, right? He would just, in fact, everybody called him Captain Anger, because he would just blow up at the littlest thing. And I remember one day I came to him and I had just been saved. I mean, I'm talking like weeks, right? I had been a Christian. And I go to him and I'm, I'm telling him about some things I'm going through. I'm telling him about some issues. I'm telling him about some problems. And he like interrupts me in the middle of it. And he's like, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to seek the kingdom. And I'm like, I've never even heard that phrase before, right? And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, bro, seek the kingdom. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, right? And I can imagine Jesus here, and he's telling this whole group of people when he's given the Sermon on the Mount to seek the kingdom, and the Bible says at the end of chapter seven that they were astonished at what he was saying. 
All right, and here's why. Because Jesus spoke in like some tricky little riddles sometimes, right? He would say things like, hey, if you hang on to your life, you're gonna lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you're gonna save it, right? The one who's last is gonna be first, and the one who's first is gonna be last. And he's telling them here, he's saying, look, there's a different kind of kingdom. There's a different kind of life. There's a different way of doing things that I want you to... To, to be turned on to, and here's the thing, here's the kicker, you're gonna have to seek after it, right? I'm not just gonna drop it on you, you're gonna have to seek this kingdom, right? It's gonna have to be something that you actively pursue and that you're looking for. Now, here's the thing. If God knows your beginning from your end, and he knows every single little detail about you, then here's, here, here's what it is. He knows those plans for your life. When you were 10 years old and you had an idea of what you wanted to be, he knows that plan, he knows the things you're thinking about doing now, the things that you're thinking about in six months, the things that you're thinking about doing in a year. And he also knows the enemy's plan for your life. And he said this, that the enemy came to do three things. He wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. Right? Jesus said he wants to do those three things. But he said, I came that you would have life and not just regular life, right? I want you to have abundant life. I want you to have a great life. Now, that's difficult for us to understand sometimes, and I'll be honest, I've never lived in a kingdom, all right? But I have traveled a lot, and I have lived in another country, and I have learned some things about adapting to different cultures. Because if you know this, when you travel to a different place, there are different norms and different things in that culture that you're gonna have to get used to and you're gonna have to learn, right? So I'll never forget when I first moved to Brazil, um, there's this thing that they do in Brazil a lot of times. If you want to respond negatively to something or if you want to say no or if you just want to tell somebody to don't, don't do anything, they do this like clicking sound with their mouth, right? They'll go like, like that. Yeah, some of you are doing, like some of you are wanting, go ahead, let it out. Like if you want to do it, let's try it. And if they would want to get real sassy, they would like shake their head like, like that. You know, and then if 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 it ever got real bad, like you knew you were about to cross a line, they would like add a little finger wag with it, like like that. And I'll never forget the first time I went to this grocery store, um, and I was trying to get uh, a cart out of this line of carts, and apparently I was like getting it out of the wrong line of carts for some reason. There was a method to doing this. And so I'm pulling this cart, and it like won't come out, right? And I'm kind of getting frustrated. And there's this kid. And he's probably like 13, and he's propped up over here uh, on the side. And I remember he was just looking at me, and he was like, like, and I'm like, don't you click at me, like, young man. Like, you will respect your elders, right? But look, it's just different in different cultures. I'll never forget when I went to, when I went to Honduras for the first time. We went to Honduras multiple times. In fact, Mission Ahava built a medical clinic there. It was one of the first uh, large projects that we did. And I remember we went to a, like a dedication service. It was at a church and there were these two ladies. And you ever know like if somebody's talking about you and they're kind of looking over and they're just talking and like at first you're like, am I just being paranoid? And then like, no, they're talking about me, right? So, so these two older ladies were talking about me and this one keeps looking at me and she's doing this with her lips. She's going. And I'm like, and at first, I'm like, am I just imagining this? Because she keeps looking at it, and she's like puckering her lips like, like, like this. 
I'm like, what in the world is she doing? And so you know how you're, you're trying to like look, but you like, you don't want that person to know that you're looking. So I'm kind of glancing over and she does this like five or six times. Like she's just like giving me these little, and I, now I'm starting to get like uncomfortable a little bit. I'm like, what, what in the world is she doing? Well, the pastor tells me later that in Honduras, it's normal to point with your lips, right? You can, so if you like, hey, where's the bathroom? They'll look. They won't say anything, they'll just like point, All right? So I told them I was gonna get up and preach a message that night, and I was like, I'm gonna tell them like Jesus loves you, and you, and you, and you. <laughs> now see, here's what we gotta understand, is that the kingdom of God is a different culture, right? You may have grown up one way, and now God's asking you to change your lifestyle and change the way you live in order to adapt to his kingdom. Right, you may have lived for years being mistreated or maybe mistreating others even. And God is now telling you, hey, in this kingdom, we gotta prefer one another, right? You gotta put your brother or sister before you. You may have had anger all of your life. You may have dealt with different issues, but now you come into this kingdom and God is asking you to change some things, right? We gotta adapt to his culture. Now, I have lived in a democratic republic all of my life, okay? And so sometimes it's a little bit difficult for me to wrap my mind around a kingdom. And sometimes, I'll be honest, that the concept of kingdom kind of scares me a little bit, all right? And here's why. Because if you got a good king, then most likely things are pretty good. But if you got a bad king, like it can be all chaos, because you got this one person in control of a whole lot of things. And you see this all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Old Testament. You would see, like, this king comes in, and the Bible says that he did what was right and pleasing in the eyes of the Lord, and everything was blessed, and everything was going good, and people's, you know, cattle were getting fat, and people were, you know, making good money, and, like, everybody's healthy, and things are right. And then this bad king comes in, and he's doing what is not right in the eyes of the Lord, and everything's not good, and everything falls into chaos. Right? You see this all the time. Here's the thing about a good king. A good king does three things. He leads, he provides, and he protects. Okay? He leads, he provides, and he protects. And can I tell you something this morning? God is a good king. Now, some of you, when I say that, some of us have a hard time letting go of control over our lives over our kingdoms, over the things that we feel like we wanna have in a nice little box and we wanna have control over. But God is good. And in fact, his plans are so much better than yours. Like he wants you blessed, right? And he wants you taken care of. And he wants your mind at peace. And he wants good things for you. Now here's the thing. There are not just benefits in this kingdom but there are things that you have to do as well, all right? When you come into the kingdom, now you are a representative of this kingdom, and you're a representative now of the king who called you to be there, right? You're an ambassador. You represent Jesus in every single thing that you do. When I stand up here, when, when Jess calls me and says, hey, we need you to speak tomorrow, right? I'm not only representing Elevate Church, I'm representing Pastor Jeff Workmeister, right? If I say something dumb up here that goes viral on YouTube, right? That's gonna represent Pastor Jeff Workmeister. 
right? When we come into a kingdom, we're representing the king. And I get questions like this all the time, like, hey, Ryan, is this sin? Like, and people will give me a little scenario. Like, is this sin? You know what my kind of litmus test is for, for is it sin or is it not? It's this. Does it represent Jesus well? Right? Does it represent the kingdom well? If you're trying to get as close as you can to that line and like, is it sin or not? Just ask yourself, like, does this represent Jesus well? Does this make me come off as a child of God? Does this make me appear like, like a king's kid? Am I representing the kingdom well? Here's the other important thing about kingdom. And listen, I have to remind myself of this all the time like all the time. The kingdom is not about me, all right? Ooh, that's a tough one. Like, I'd, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't even like that one. The kingdom is not about me. And see, even when Jesus was saying this, he even knew it would be tough because he even told those people there, he said, you're gonna have to seek after it, right? Now, it's one thing to come and ask the Lord in your heart. And listen, that's a great start. But he said, this is gonna be a little bit of a process. This is gonna be a process of sanctification. I need you to go a little bit further. I need you to lay some things down. I need you to crucify your flesh. I need you to take up your cross. I need you to do some things that you're not gonna wanna do because you're gonna have to be a good representation of who I am. Right, see, Jesus knew that there were gonna be people who wanted him to be their savior but didn't want him to be their Lord. Right? See, there's a difference in a Savior and a Lord. A Savior, you come and you want all the benefits, right? You want all the things that he's gonna give you and you want a, a good life and you want everything to be blessed and you want at the end of this life to not suffer judgment and wrath and all of these things. But a Lord, when you give him lordship of your life, like when you make him the king and now he's the ruler and what he says goes, that's a little bit of a different story, right? Remember, the good king leads, provides, and protects. How many of you have seen the movie The Ten Commandments, like the old one, like Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments? Yeah, okay, all right. So uh, there was this period. So my daughter, Nora, uh, she's 10 years old. She's 11 years old, and she loves the Ten Commandments. Like, there was a, this period of like four months where every... This is probably an exaggeration, but it felt like every day when I got home from work, like the Ten Commandments was playing, right? For like four months. Yeah, honestly, it probably took us four months to get through the Ten Commandments because that movie is that long. Like there's an intermission in the movie. Like who, what movie has an intermission, right? But in this movie, God gives them the children of Israel, he gives them everything that they need throughout this whole journey, right? He splits the Red Sea and they go across and they're walking on dry ground and then they get across and they're thirsty and they need water and, and God provides water for them out of a rock and God literally, they're hungry and God rains down food from heaven to where they just go out and they pick it up and they can eat it right there and the Bible says that there wasn't a feeble one among them and that their clothes didn't wear out and their shoes didn't wear out and God gives them a, a pillar of fire by night to keep them warm and show them where they're going and this cloud of, of, of glory by day to keep them cool from the hot desert sun, right? He gives them all of these things after bringing them out of 400 years of slavery. And I'm listening the other day, I'm doing this, uh, uh, the Bible in a year on the Bible app. And so I'm listening to this and I hear this verse 
right? And you don't have to turn there, but I'm gonna read it to you. I hear this verse come out, and this just like blows my mind, right? Because they were complaining the entire time. Here's what it says in Exodus uh, chapter 16, verse three. They were like sitting around, and they're having a pity party about all the things that are going wrong, and they say, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. Like, that's intense, right? Like, you have just, he had just brought you out of 400 years of slavery, and now you're saying, I wish he'd have just killed us back in Egypt, right? He says, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve to death. See, here's the issue. They were looking for their kingdom, not his kingdom. They wanted what they wanted. They wanted to tell God what they wanted to eat. They wanted to tell God what they wanted to drink. They wanted to tell him where they wanted to go and how, how they wanted to get there. And look, if I am completely 100% honest before you this morning, I do the same thing. Like I'm always telling God my plans. I'm always telling him how I wanna live. Now look, I like to use the parts of the kingdom, right, that benefit me and that align with my plans. But when it comes to struggle, when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to doing the things that I, I really don't wanna do, that's, that's the part that I'm, I'm, I'm good on, right? See, when Jesus came, the Jews thought that he was gonna be this, this great conqueror. And he was gonna free them from all Roman oppression. And he was gonna set everything right for the Jews. That was their idea, that he was gonna come like a physical warrior here on the earth, right? And he begins to reveal to them bit by bit that, look, hey, my plan is a little bit bigger than that. I'm not just looking to bless one tiny group of people 2,000 years ago. I'm gonna bless all of mankind for all of eternity through what I'm about to do. And we see these two kingdoms, we see these, these, these two alignments, these two priorities, we see these perfectly in Mark chapter 14. We're gonna read this here in just a second, but I'm gonna set this story up. All right, in Mark chapter 14, you know the story, let me remind you, Jesus is about to be betrayed, okay? And they're getting ready to walk into the Garden of Gethsemane, and they have this exchange, and Peter is talking to him. And Peter makes this bold declaration, right? And we know what it is. Here's what he says in verse 29. Peter said to him, Lord, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And Jesus replies, we know what he says. I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me. You will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. You know how many times I've read this and I've never noticed that last part, that all the others vowed the same. Now listen, we give Peter a really hard time because he's the one who stepped out and he's the one that made this bold profession, right? And we, of course, know what happens. We know that, that, that he ends up denying that he knows Jesus three times. But listen, don't forget that like 15 verses later, Peter's also the one that pulls out a sword and slashes off a dude's ear. All right, so see, here's what I believe. I believe that Peter was ready to die, okay? I believe that he's like ready to go, go down for this thing, right? He's, he's ready to go all in. He wants Jesus to be in charge. He wants Jesus to destroy Rome. He's committed to die for the cause if he has to, but you know what he's not committed to? 
the kingdom. And so Jesus steps in, right? And he resurrects the whole situation like Jesus always does. And he, he heals the ear of his enemy. And he looks back at Peter and he says, Peter, put the sword away, right? This one's not gonna be by the sword. This one's gonna be by the cross. This one's not gonna be by might or by power, but it's gonna be by my spirit, right? This one, you're gonna have to sit back and you're gonna have to let my kingdom and my way and my will take control because I can see things that you can't see. I can see pieces even in your life that you don't even know about yet. And I know you think you got the plan. You think you got it all together. You think you're ready to go. I, I understand things that you don't understand. I think on a level that's not yours. My thoughts are higher than yours. My ways are higher than yours. My plans are higher than yours. Everything I do is on a whole other level. And Jesus steps in and he, and he heals this. You know why? Because the kingdom and the cross are synonymous, right? You can't have the benefits of the kingdom without having a, a share in the suffering of the cross. Listen, I am 100% grace, right? You will never, ever, ever find a person who loves the gospel of grace more than this guy right here. But there's a difference in having a Savior and a Lord. And there was a time where Jesus said, you're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to crucify your flesh. You're going to have to die to some things that are inside of you. And you're going to have to live to the things that are inside of me. And look, if I'm completely honest, if I'm being 100% transparent, my deeper innermost thoughts, sometimes I think my plan might just be better. And I'm trying to convince him of it. I'm trying to convince the Lord, hey, just, just listen to what, what I have down here. Listen, because I'm going after my kingdom and I'm consumed with my thoughts and my reputation and my fears and my weaknesses and my strengths and what makes me happy and what makes me sad and my insecurities and all of the things around me because it's my kingdom, right? The difference in seeking your kingdom and the Lord's kingdom is why the children of Israel can be rejoicing that he brought them through the Red Sea at, at one minute and the next chapter, they're asking to go back into slavery in Egypt, right? It's why Peter can be slashing ears off everywhere in, in one chapter and 15 verses later, he's denying that he even knows Jesus, Okay? It's why people are yelling. When, when Jesus is coming into town and he's on the donkey and they're laying down palm leaves on Palm Sunday, which we're about to celebrate in two weeks, and he's coming in and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they're praising him, Hosanna in the highest. And one week later, the same crowd is yelling crucify. Because it's what aligns with their kingdom versus what aligns with his kingdom. So I have a question for you this morning. Whose kingdom are you seeking? Whose kingdom are you going after? You going after his kingdom when it's all on your terms? Like when it benefits you? Let me ask you a question. When you come in here 
and there's a great song. You, you can, you can kind of watch it sometimes, right? When there's a, a song that, you know, a lot of people like and, and they're just going in, right? But then there's a song that eh, maybe everybody's not so cool on, right? And everybody's just kind of standing there. Like, you can see it. Like, do you just worship when, when, when it's kind of your style of music? Or do you worship him because he's worthy? Do you just give when everything's good? Like, are you faithful to give when, when there's an abundance and there's money overflowing? How about when things get tight? Right, are you just nice to people and friendly to people when you come in here in, on, in church on Sunday morning and then when you get to your, to your job site on Monday, you're ready to lay into people? It's a difference of kingdoms and this morning, Jesus is asking to be your Lord, not just your savior, but your Lord and your king. Amen. Would you stand with me? Listen, I wanted to close out this morning by reading a story. Um, a lot of you know that I have a passion for the persecuted church, all right? If you don't know what that is, people all around the world are persecuted for their faith. This happens every single day. I've got statistics on this, if you ever wanna hear it, about the number of people who die and are in prison for the same crime that you and I are committing here this morning by living out our faith in Jesus Christ. And I read this story about a year ago from Open Doors, and they call this woman Bay, right, B-A-E. Um, and of course, that's not her real name. They use this name for, to, for safety purposes. And this woman, they found, she, she lived in North Korea. She lives in North Korea. I, I assume that she's still alive. Um, and she, they, they found a Bible. And she was sentenced to life in a, in a prison labor camp because she, now just think about that for a second. They found a Bible in her home and she was sentenced to life in a labor camp, all right? And so here's what her day looks like. She wakes up very early in the morning, every single day, and she goes out into the field. It doesn't matter if it's cold, if it's hot, and she is working in the field all day long from sunup to sundown, all right? But listen, that's not where, that's not where her work truly is. What she does after that is she goes back to that camp and she starts sharing the gospel with the people who are in that prison camp, right? And this is, a, this is a calling for her. And she gets this letter out. She gets it to open doors to their agency in China. And here's what she says. I want to read this to you. Because she had an opportunity to flee, okay? This is what she said. She says, dear brother, we are well and at peace through the grace of Jesus Christ and your prayers. When our Bible was found, it was immediately destroyed. And because we are Christians, we are exiled to a remote village with no chance of ever leaving. Work here is hard. Rations are limited. We are always hungry or sick. We need to forage to survive. Just, just as I'm reading this, just remember, she's in there for the gospel. Like, that's her only crime. She says, but every morning when I open my eyes, I feel the presence of the Lord and I thank our Father God that I am still strong enough to be used as his servant. Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Even though it was difficult, she says, I recently was able to cross the border into China. There I met with other Christians and they gave me food and medicine and by the grace of God, a new Bible. She said, I was offered a place to stay in China. It would have meant freedom, 
but I could not abandon my family and church, however small it may be. She, she ended up sneaking back into the prison camp. She says, from your perspective, brother, our suffering must appear as though we live a cursed life. However, we see it as a blessing because we see it as a blessing because it is a shortcut to the Father. But yet, brother, I have one more request that you send our gratitude to those who continue to pray for us. And in return, we'll stay healthy and continue to spread the gospel throughout North Korea, your sister in Christ. Do you know how much God cares for her? See, this puts it in different perspective when he said that he clothed the lilies. When he said that not even a little bird falls out of the sky that your heavenly father doesn't know about it. This is how much he loves you. And this is how much he loves her. See, abundant life doesn't always look like what we think it looks like in our head. Right, to those people in that camp, she's their only lifeline. She's the one giving the life-saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the ones at your, at your job tomorrow, you, you may be the only Jesus that they ever see. You may be the only hope that they're ever gonna have. You may be the one that God is gonna use in order to say the right thing to them that God just goes in and penetrates their heart and pulls, pulls them to him. Right, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray for a second this morning. I'm gonna pray over you, okay? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to, to think about for a second, what kingdom are you seeking? Look, there, I know, I understand that there are some of you in here right now who are making decisions. You're making decisions right now, like life decisions, that are gonna alter the rest of your life. Maybe they're gonna alter your kid's life. Look, make sure you're seeking the kingdom. Make sure you're seeking his plan for your life and his will for your life. And if you haven't been, okay, that's okay. That's all right. There, there's no reason at all to feel condemnation for that. Here's what we do. We just come to the Father and we repent for that, right? We ask his forgiveness and we ask for his help that we may seek his kingdom and that we can seek his will in every single thing in our lives, amen? All right, I'm gonna pray over you and I want you just in your own words to pray to God this morning and to ask him for help in seeking his kingdom. Okay, Father, I thank you for your people, Lord. I thank you for your people this morning. God, I thank you that in this room this morning, there are plans that you have for every single individual. God, you laid out a path for them, and you said that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. So God, here's what we have to do. We have to get your plan. We need your plan. We need your wisdom. We need, we need thoughts that we don't have. We need plans that we don't have, God. There are, there, are multi, there are businesses in this room. There are books in this room. There are songs in this room. There are things that have yet to be written, things that have yet to be created. God, that you're gonna stir up. I believe you're stirring them up this morning. God, I ask you to deposit things in people's lives. And God, help us, Lord, to seek your kingdom above all. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, not just the Savior, but the Lord, if you've never made him king, 
We're gonna say a prayer here in just a minute. I want you to raise your hand. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, if you've never asked him to be your Lord, if you wanna follow him, if you wanna commit to him today to serve him for the rest of your life, just raise your hand up. We're gonna say a simple little prayer, okay? All right, we're gonna pray this prayer together. Say, Father, ask you to save me this morning. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my king. I will devote my life to seeking your kingdom for the rest of my life. God, give me your plans. Give me your thoughts towards me. God, give me your will and give me your ways. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now listen, we're gonna do one thing. We're gonna wrap up this way. I know this is a little bit different, okay? We're gonna say the Lord's Prayer together because see, look, this is, this is what he's talking about. When he says, he says your kingdom come, he wants his kingdom, his rule to be established in your life, right? He says, let your will be done. Just like it is in heaven. You know what? I want God's will to be done in Ryan's life just like it is in heaven, all right? That's what we're praying. So can, can you guys put that up on the screen? We're gonna, if you don't know it by heart, that's okay. We're gonna read it, read it together. We'll start with our Father, okay? Let's come on, let's say it together. Say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Lord, we pray over your people. God, I pray your blessing on them. God, I pray you make your face to shine upon them. God, give them your plans and your will this week, Lord, as they go out of here, Lord. I pray you put people in their path, God, that they're supposed to talk to, people that are gonna minister to them, Lord. God, let your spirit rule and reign in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. We say amen and amen. We'll see you next week. Be blessed, church.